Repetitive, but good morning. Uh, it's good to see great crowd this morning. Uh, appreciate everyone being here. If you are uh, a guest here, um, hopefully in, in front of you there should be a card. This uh, maybe it's a, a yellow color. Uh, please fill it out. Um, drop it in the collection plate when it comes by, and then uh, hang around afterwards. Uh, we'd like to get to know you if you're. Uh, if you're passing through, uh, just know that anytime you come this way, you're always welcome here. And if you're looking for a church home, um, I'd like to hope that you think you've found it. Because we're all brothers and sisters of Christ here, and we welcome all those who love the Lord. Before we continue our service this morning, <clears throat> let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we... We're so appreciative of all you've done for us. You sent your son here to teach us and then to suffer and die for us that we may have eternal hope, eternal life. Father, we pray as we go through this service that uh, our hearts and minds are open, that we learn all there is to be learned, that we become strengthened as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can take outside these doors all that we know and teach and live the love that you uh, sent to us. Father, we also pray that those who are leading our service this morning, they, they all understand that they are doing this out of their love for, for the Father, their appreciation for the sacrifice of Jesus, and because, because we are all disciples of Christ, and we all want to do the things that we were put here to do. Father, we pray that you watch over this congregation and that you let those who are not here know that they are thought of and they are loved. If they're traveling, Father, we pray that they travel safe. If they're ill, Father, we pray that uh, they are better and they're, they are back with us as soon as possible. And we pray that you watch over all of us, Father, protect us guide us and forgive us all of our sins and this father we pray in jesus name amen if you would please go ahead and mark number 696 that'd be the song of encouragement this morning mark 696
once you have that mark, let's turn to number two. Number two. Sing the first, second, last verses. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock, the shadows of dry thirsty. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be
song for the lesson this morning be number 303-303. If you feel like it, if you're able, please stand and remain standing for the prayer before the lesson. 303. Sing first, second, last verse. I've a home prepared where the saints abide, just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side, just over in the glory land. Just over in the glory land, I'll join. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity you've given us this morning to come together, to worship at your feet, and to sing songs of praise to you. Lord, we pray that our worship this morning will be a sweet, pleasing fragrance to you. We pray that you'll be with Brother Eric this morning as he breaks the bread of life to us. We pray that you'll give him a, the strength and the courage to deliver a message from your word and that we will take that message and apply it to our lives throughout this week. Lord, we're mindful of so many of our congregation who are either ill or are traveling. We pray that you will bless them. pray that you will give them full healing if they are ill. And we pray that if they're traveling, they will have safe travels to their destination and return quickly to us. We pray for the Karen Paget family as they continue to mourn the loss of Sister Karen. We pray that we are so thankful that she has gone home to her reward and to be with you in eternity. We pray as we go about this week that we'll be reminded that we may very well be the only Bible that someone ever reads. 
and that we will strive to live our lives and walk in the light and in the footsteps of your Son and our Savior so that we may strive to bring the loss to you and that we will strive to grow closer to you each and every day of our lives. And we're so thankful as we just sang that we know we have a home prepared over in the glory land and we, Lord, we long for that day to come sooner than ever before so that we can join our brothers and sisters in Christ and sing praises to you in eternity. And we pray that as we go about this week, that we will strive to walk closer to you and to draw more wisdom from your word as we deepen our relationship with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, it is uh, good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, for those of you visiting with us this morning, I am not the uh, normal pulpit preacher. Uh, Josh is uh, in Alabama doing a uh, mission work down there. And uh, so I don't know if he couldn't remember names, and that's why he picked Eric, me, this morning, and Eric for this evening's service. But, uh, but anyways, uh, this morning it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be standing before you again, and, and hopefully we'll get, uh, get encouragement or strengthen from something I say this morning. And, uh, you know, when talking about a lesson, uh, I've always been told the best way to grab an audience's attention is to start out with some uh, great uh, attention-getter of some kind. And so I'm going to make this statement. Did you know that Christians, even good Christians, do not always get along? Boy, that was uh, brains. Wow, really? (laughs) Well, anyways, that's what our lesson, if you wanted to title today's lesson, I think of a, a phrase, can't we all get along? And it's not something I think this congregation really strives or has a problem with, but it's something that we deal with anyways, just as being human beings. And that's why I wanted to look at this subject this morning. You know, as humans, there's always dis, uh, misunderstandings between each other. There's differences of opinions. And even human, even Christians, good Christians, have those issues that we deal with. And it's nothing new. Uh, Paul... I, can, I think we can all believe or, or all feel, was a good Christian, wasn't he? Not going to get any argument there. Uh, we read of Paul in the Bible here. In, uh, Paul and Barnabas had a little disagreement. In uh, Acts chapter 15 and verse 36 and 40, we see about a disagreement Paul and Barnabas had. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take them with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take them, take with them, for one who had departed from, from them in Philippa, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention came so sharp that they departed from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. This isn't going to be our main scripture, our main thought this morning, but it's it's just showing Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement, didn't they? And there wasn't anything scripturally wrong with their disagreement. It wasn't over some scriptural thought or anything like that. It was just a disagreement about who should go with them on a journey. And each of them continued on their own separate way. They did good works. They went on about, their, about the Lord's business. Uh, 
So the question is not if Christians disagree, what should we do? The question this morning is when Christians disagree, what should we do? In today's lesson, we're going to focus around two sisters in Christ at Philippi that didn't get along. It's a, it's a short message, a, a short verse that we see in Philippians that uh, really I, I've read over and, and just kind of glanced, read it, and never really put much thought into what was said there. Uh, but in Philippians, Paul has emphasized the importance in this book of being united. He's convincing or, or encouraging the church there to be united, to be of one goal, in chapter 1 of verse 27 of Philippians, if you'd like to turn over there, Paul says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whenever I come to see you or am in absence, I may hear of your affairs, and you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then you can skip down to chapter 2 and verse 2. He fulfilled the fulfillment, my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. United, being one. The book really highlights the importance of living in harmony with our fellow Christians. The way Paul and the... Uh, the way he handles the situation that we'll hear in a few moments get to in chapter 4, he handles this, uh, he, he looks at three, type, three ideas, and there's three ideas that we're going to look at this morning. First idea we're looking at is sincere commendation prepares the way for reconciliation. The second idea we'll look at, a sensitive confrontation progresses to reconciliation, sensitive. And then the third and final point we'll make this morning is the satisfying reconciliation. So let's look at our first idea here this morning. First thing we're going to look at. Sincere commendation prepares the way for reconciliation. The first thing Paul does when he establishes or talks about any situation writes to any book that we've read about Paul, read from Paul. He starts with a positive atmosphere. He assures the Christians in this book in Philippi that he loves them, including these two sisters that we'll read about here in a moment in chapter 4. Before commanding, he commends. Get that? Before commanding, he commends. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 1, a little bit closer here. Flip over chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. This verse, it's filled with warmth. It's filled with affection, isn't it? Look back here. He says he calls them brethren. What is a brethren? It's a family member. Somebody you have a close relationship with. He calls them brethren. He calls them his family. He says beloved not once but twice in this sentence. Wants to let them know he loves them. He cares for them. 
He's longing for. Use the words longed for. Be another way saying he's homesick for him. You know, I think about my mother lives in Wisconsin, 700 miles away from me. And quite often I'm homesick for her. I'm homesick for home. I love to be up there, love to be with her. Who here, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of us have moved on and, and moved away from home or we're not with our parents every minute of every day. We're homesick. We long to be with the people that we love. What else does he refer to him as? My joy, my crown. The word crown there, you think of a crown, you hear people talk about their crowning achievement. What is that? The highlight of their life. He's telling the people there in Philippi, you are the highlight of my life. You, are, you mean so much to me. I love you so much. I care so much for you. So what can we learn from these words? What can we learn from these words of encouragement that Paul has told these fellow brethren? If you want to help two Christians to reconcile, you want to work on a relationship with a fellow brother or sister, maybe your relationship with them, you don't start by pointing out their shortcomings. That's not the way you start any confrontation. You know, too often we hear people, when, uh, or we do it ourselves, when we're having a confrontation or a disagreement with somebody, the first thing we do is point out all the things that they have done wrong. That's not going to tell them that you love them. You're not going to touch their heart that way. There's a song I think about, uh, an old country song. It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I think nearly, I know at least my generation and older have heard that song before. You know, it's it's a sarcastic song. We laugh about it. But sometimes I wonder if there's people in this world, people even in the church, that don't think that way. I'm perfect. We're not. None of us are perfect. We talked about it in class this morning. We have to tell or show when we're talking to fellow brother and sister that we love them, that we care for them. They're number one. We have to touch their heart. And I don't think I'm alone in this thought. As far as when I need to be moved or I'm wrong in one direction or another, if somebody comes to me and I know they love me, they can lead me anywhere. They lead me right off a cliff. But you come up to me and start pushing me, I'm going nowhere. You're not going to push me. And I don't think I'm the only one that's headstrong that way. We have to show that we love one another. The second point that we're making this morning, sensitive confrontation progresses to reconciliation. Main word there, sensitive. Paul has just called the church there his crown. But what we see here is there's a thorn in that crown. There's two sisters that we're fixing to look at here that are having some kind of a disagreement. Look at verse four, or chapter two, 4, verse 2. We'll get it out right there in a minute. Chapter 4, verse 2. 
Here we finally get to the sisters I've been talking about. Paul's direct and to the point with them. Verse 2 of chapter 4, he says, I implore Odia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, something interesting about these two sisters here. Syntyche, that name, means pleasant. And Odia, that means sweet fragrance. And I have a feeling here, or I get the impression, neither one of them was being pleasant or spreading a sweet aroma at this time. So what do we see here? Paul confronts the problem. He did not just say, as some of us kind of do today when we see a problem or have a problem with brother or sister, oh, here, here, and just move on. No, he encourages them to resolve their differences, to face them head on. So who were these women? Well, let's take Paul's example, and we'll start with the positive about these two women. In verse 3, he says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women, these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. First of all, we see they labored with Paul. They struggled with Paul. They worked with Paul. They were active members in the Lord's body. I imagine today if they were members here at this congregation, they'd be teaching Bible class. They'd be feeding, uh, you know, as far as for uh, funerals and such, they'd be making meals. Uh, They'd be active members. They'd be doing work to help further the kingdom. We also see here that their names are in the book of life. Paul's pointing out they're part of a family that does not have an earthly home. That's some of the positive things about them. Let's look at the negative here. There's a friction between these two sisters. There's a friction that's so deep that it's fixing to cancel all the good that they've done. The good that they've done is going to be wiped out. You know, how do you think they felt? Paul's, this is a different time period. Paul's written a letter. He's not there with them in Philippi. He's written a letter to send to Philippi. They didn't have TV. They didn't have phones. They didn't have the Internet. Communication was not that fast. So what did they do? They got letters. And can you imagine the excitement when they get this letter? They, I'm sure, felt the same way about Paul as Paul did about them. They loved Paul. They were strengthened by Paul. They encouraged, looked up to Paul. So here they get this letter from Paul. It comes, hey, we've got a letter from Paul. We've got a letter from Paul. So the church of Philippi gets together. They meet. This letter is going to be read aloud in a public presentation. And can you imagine when they get to this verse here, and Paul calls out these two women by name, can you imagine how they felt? Embarrassed? Ashamed? And look, we're still talking about them today. It'd be like me standing up here and calling out a couple of fellow brothers and sisters 
and mentioning you by name about having this issue that needs to be worked out. Boy, that would grab your attention, wouldn't it? The embarrassment, the shame. So what does that say? What does that say about these two women? What would that say about us if I called you out? Would you want it to be known? As we talk about these two sisters, thousands of years later, would you want it to be known, I did not get along with my fellow human beings? I don't want to be known that way. So why did Paul call these two ladies out? I'm sure it wasn't to embarrass them. That wasn't his thought. That wasn't his reasoning. It was to keep these feelings, whatever they were, from spreading. I don't think that whatever issue they had was any kind of a doctrinal issue in any way. You know, today it might have been something over uh, a couple of people disagreeing about the color that we paint the walls, the color of the carpet. Uh, Maybe been, I don't like the way you decorated your classroom back there. Uh, you know, sometimes I think that we forget the people that we read about in the scriptures, they had lives just like us. They had jobs. They had homes. They had kids. They had careers. It may have been something over a couple of their kids did or something. You know, we don't know. But whatever that problem was, that relationship problem, it was affecting the church. It was affecting the church. So Paul had to bring it up. Hey, you need to work this out. Pointing out to them, they're a family. They're fellow sisters headed to the same goal. So the third point this morning, bringing us to that, a reward of satisfying reconciliation. You know, how did Paul handle the possibly explosive situation? He did something. That's the first thing he did. He did something. He didn't ignore it, hoping that it would go away. And apparently, he did something as, as soon as he knew the problem existed. I don't think he wasted any time. I don't think he heard about an issue between these two sisters and, ah, I'll get to that in six months or a year from now. He did something right away. He didn't let give time for that sore to fester. If he had waited, what would have happened? That entire congregation might have taken sides and caused further issues. Talking about taking sides, he did not take a side, did he? We see here that Paul doesn't mention about what the problem is, told them to work it out. He remained neutral, didn't he? What we can learn here when we have two fellow brothers or sisters that uh, we know have a disagreement, we need to remain neutral also. You know, we can't help somebody or help two people work out a situation if we go into that and they know that we have already picked a favorite one way or the other. They're not going to listen to us, are they? So we need to stay neutral. We've been given instruction also on how to deal with each other 
when we have a conflict. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, we might be the one that's involved in the contract, and we, con, uh, the issue, <laughs> conflict. And we've been given instruction how to do that. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. The first step is go to that brother or sister. Talk it out. I know there's a lot more in that verse there. There's a whole nother sermon. But we're just going to look at that first step. Go to that brother. What does it say? Alone. You know, nobody else may know about a conflict that we have with a fellow brother or sister. You need to go to them alone. Talk it out. Work it out. Not let it fester. Not give it time. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 through 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go away. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What does that say? Our relationships with one another, they're important. The Lord feels our relationships with one another are of top priority. They're important. Paul also urges unity strongly. We're not going to agree on everything. You know, I have close friends here. I have close friends in the world. We don't see eye to eye on everything. I have people I hang out with all the time. love to hunt and fish. I'm not a hunter or fisher. I could care less. Some of us have different feelings about music. I like to listen to one station. They listen to another. You know, just simple things like that. But then some things the world seems to put more emphasis on than I think need to be. I have friends, brothers and sisters. I vote different than they do. That's not an issue that we need to be divided over. We need to realize we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. We're not all the same person. The problem is, is when we take those conflicts, and what Paul is really pointing out here is we take those conflicts, we let them fester, we don't talk it out, we don't work it out, we don't just say, hey, I'm going to agree to disagree with you. And it causes division in the church causes problems in the church, causes problems in his family. You know, disagreements are not always, they're not, uh, I'm not talking about scriptural Even non-scriptural disagreements, they can harm the church. They also give the impression to the world that we don't get along. Give a bad impression of the world. John chapter 17 and verse 21 says that they all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. They, talking about us, may be one in, may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The world's watching us. The world knows that we're Christians. People I work with at work, they know where I go to church. They know that I'm a Christian. And they watch me. 
And if I was to speak bad about a brother or sister, they watch that. They're listening. We can drive away unbelievers by our disagreements. Mark chapter 9 and verse 50 says we need to be salt, or talking about salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. When people disagree, they don't get along, they fight, you can tell even if you're not part of that group. You'll just sit and watch at Walmart. I'm a people watcher. Anywhere I go, I like to watch people. If I'm sitting in a restaurant, I'm watching other conversations. Uh, Go to Walmart, I'm watching couples going down the aisles and stuff. You can tell when you see a couple at Walmart who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. Don't know them. Don't have to say a word. You can just tell when you're looking. I'm also one of those people that when I'm driving down the road, I look at who's in the car I'm passing. I don't know, a lot of times I'm looked back at, I guess they do the same thing, maybe. <laughs> but anyways, if there's a couple in that car, you can tell if they're having a disagreement, if they're not getting along. You can tell. Don't have a clue who they are, don't know where they came from, don't know anything about them. But just looking, you can tell. Well, you know, a congregation of the Lord's people, we're the same way. A stranger comes in that door, sits down in the pew, They can tell if we get along. There's just a vibe, a feeling given off. It's the same thing when we're alone by ourselves as a Christian, as a member of the body, member of the body of Northside here. If we're out in the community, people can tell what kind of person we are. They can tell if we're getting along with our fellow brothers and sisters. So back to these two women here. Paul's reminding them that they are both in the Lord. They were both baptized into Christ. They were both children of God. So therefore, they're one in Christ. Being in Christ gave them that common ground that they could meet on. They were sisters. Notice how it's referred to. They were sisters. They were family. We also have that in common. We're part of a family that's been bought by the blood of Christ. And that's not something to take lightly. I think the world a lot of times has lost the the emphasis or lost the understanding of how strong a family needs to be. Family needs to stay glued together. That's a problem in the world. It doesn't need to be a problem in the Lord's church. We're a family. We need to be one, of one accord. We all wear the same name, Christian. We're a family. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 says, For you are all sons of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We are one. We are a family. We should work out our differences with one another on our own. 
have a conflict with a brother or sister. We need to work that out between us. But we can see from the lesson today, sometimes we need help. You know, it's not easy. It's, it, it's difficult. Conflict is difficult. But it gets worse if we ignore it. We can see here also that if we follow Paul's example, we will see a reward in the end. So remember today three words in dealing with each other. The first word that I want you to remember is sincere. Sincere. Have a sincere heart when you go to your fellow brother and sister. The second, be sensitive. Put yourself in their shoes. Be sensitive. How would you want to be talked to? And then the third S word here, satisfying. Those will bring you a satisfying reconciliation. The Lord wants harmony. But remember, to have true harmony, we need to be united in Christ. You know, I hope today's lesson and some ways encouraged you if you're having a conflict or disagreement with a fellow brother and sister to talk it out with them or if you're letting some disagreement that you've had maybe for a long time fester maybe as a Paul and Barnabas just say hey we're going to agree to disagree and it's amazing how those simple words you can just move on maybe you're not part of the Lord's body Maybe you're sitting here and you haven't been baptized. Maybe you're not a member of the Lord's church. I want to encourage you to take that step because we are a family. Be part of a family. If there's anything that we can do for you at all, please make it known as we stand and as we sing.
pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth and to take a body and live like we do and to sacrifice himself for our sin. And we know that uh, without that sacrifice that we would be hopeless um, and that we would be condemned. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us to, to gather around this table. Lord, thank you for this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. Be with us that we take it in a manner pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, bless us as we give back what you have provided to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 